Fuck. All right, let's we're rolling. Rolling. Planet B presents 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 Cult and Culture Podcast. Welcome to episode twenty-two of the Cult and Culture Podcast. I'm Justin Pearson, and I'm Luke Hinshaw. And today we will be discussing all kinds of crazy shit with Mario Bacaba, who is uh, an amazing drummer in a bunch of bands. Insane um, drummer. Yeah, insane drummer. I mean, okay, Earthless, Click Attack, Katawi, 411, Chicano Christ. Oh, no, you didn't play drums tonight, play guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, Rock from the Crypt, ha- uh, Half of Hot Snakes. I mean, the dude's just off. Sea of Tombs, off. He, I mean, he's like, the dude rips. And it was weird because I I love the guy forever, and uh, I've known him forever, and, he, he, and it's, it was cool to kind of catch up and a few nights before we recorded this, I, him and I basically had a very similar conversation. So we just kind of went back through it again. But it was—it's pretty wild, I guess. His ability to drum with his ability to skateboard, and it's had this like really strange fluidity to it. It's almost mm-hmm. like riding a pool or something on a skateboard. Like his drumming kind of seemed like that. It just yeah. had all these like all the angular stuff and all the weird transitions were just seamless. And so I trip out on watching that guy drum. He's one of the best. He is yeah. one of the fucking best. Anyhow, um, the history is it, it was just insane and also bizarre. And it was like we needed to have this podcast come with like a family tree or something because yeah. it goes everywhere. Yeah, I don't know. The dude's awesome. I love him. And he's an incredible human being and very talented human being. And whatever the DNA that that guy got, he lucked out. <laughs> <laughs> So here we go. Uh, ready to drop in? Yeah. So there's like, <clears throat> there's two two sort of things that I thought we I would like to talk about. One of them, well, we'll just start with one. We'll get to the other one later. But the first thing is I would like to talk about your skateboarding. Yeah. And <clears throat> if you think, so to me when I when I think of skateboarding and then i see you drumming it's you you pl- to me this might be really weird but to, when you when i watch you play there's this fluidity that reminds me of like sort of skateboarding navigating like a a pool or something you know where like there's the transitions are seamless it's very smooth and and it seems for your drumming it's when i watch you it seems effortless but like you know there's there's complexity but it's not like so i'm so used to like sitting with gabe serbian where it's very angular and jagged and fucking just ah you know like uh like almost like all 90 degree angles but with you it just seems like this sort of wave i guess mm-hmm. do you do you, th- do you see a transition in in how your brain works because okay so you started off skateboarding before drumming or i'm, I'm assuming Nah, drums first really yeah yeah, drums, uh, fuck, man, <laughs> since I can remember. Like, like as a little kid? Yeah, yeah, Whoa. like whatever the toy kit was of the day. It was uh-huh. like, probably like a Mickey Mouse drum set or something. Whoa. So, yeah, like at four years old, five years old, like getting, getting the little toy kit. But, I mean, my mom says, like, you're just, you were just fucking crawling around, hitting shit, you know, like she made like she said she made like a like a little drum or whatever like i was always hitting on something so yeah. um you know i think i just had had i was just born with that kind of tendency to like hit on stuff and then <laughs> but i got a real kit when i was like six years old had a neighbor had like a like a japanese knockoff like ludwig kit she sold it to my mom for like 60 bucks it was Whoa. just a really cool like beatles kind of knockoff type thing 
and uh yeah that was that was my first kit and uh, had it that's kind of what i had for a long time up until maybe like it's like nine or ten and then i think uh it just was just too thrashed and gotten a bmx bikes or something like that oh yeah yeah <clears throat> and then skateboarding came pretty soon after that and then with skateboarding music came back into the fold of like meeting people that were into punk and wanting to play music and so when you start skating what was it like late 80s or mid 80s early 80s, early 80s. um but my but it goes further back because i had an uncle that i had i had a couple pretty cool uncles that were in the 70s like teenagers during the 70s and um one of them he surfed and skated when the 70s skate boom was was big and there's yeah. all the skate parks here and so um i'd go to my grandma's house where he you know they were all my my mom was working i was like pretty much single you know mom yeah and uh i started going to my grandma's house every day after school you know or whatever i was like still kindergarten or something um and he had skateboarder magazine like Uh issues all around so i just fucking look at those all day and like play the a track you know tape the whatever console and stuff and so uh first two bands i was like super into was deep purple the first album with like the first singer with like that song hush mm. on it and then grand funk were an american band yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is actually a great album and the drum like aside from that hit song there's songs on there that the drumming by don brewer is just like was one of my biggest influences Whoa. so like him and like ian pace from deep purple were like like there's shit that he's done don brewer's doing it's like i took to like click attack you know, like uh-huh. kind of the tribal, like yeah. all the Tom heavy sh- shit. Um, so I would listen to those two A tracks all fucking day and look at that skateboarder mags, you know. Wow. And then I would ride his skateboard, but like on my knees or whatever, you know, yeah. just like in the driveway. Um, but I never really went to skate parks. Um, and, and then uh, when my parents were getting divorced, my mom and I actually moved into my grandparents' house and we just like, had a room in the back and so that's just where i would play drums and like kind of learn just hit shit you know whoa and i think i saw um what's the who movie that was out the kids are all right or oh, yeah like whatever like i saw that and i that just fucking like yeah, we've been watching the theatrics yeah. of keith moon obviously yeah totally yeah like blowing shit yeah. up you know <laughs> yeah, like yeah yeah so with that being said like my one friend that i had at the time we we saw it together my mom had just like saved up all this money and got me like a new like snare head and, and like a new uh you know pair of sticks and we see we saw that who movie and we were like oh let's destroy my drums yeah so we like started stabbing the <laughs> snare head and stuff and breaking she's like the fuck you doing you, yeah. you know like so i did took a while to get that shit fixed again but, wow um <clears throat> but yeah i've been playing drums since i was a kid been around skateboarding and like aware of it since i was pretty young as well um and then uh i was just always really into like hard kind of rock like music like really into it like yeah. from a young age so um yeah i think that led to me getting into metal you know first predominantly like hard rock and metal uh-huh. and then after being turned on to punk and like hardcore i was just like it just totally changed my whole course of of where I wanted to go. Yeah. yeah so. I mean, I think like maybe in the early eighties, like when MTV and stuff happened, like, you, you know, <clears throat> if you could get a glimpse of like certain things on there, 
like Devo and also I remember like seeing Ozzy stuff like those were yeah. the things that really like or maybe you know maybe Kiss but but more so like musically with Ozzy I feel like for the metal side of things like I was just like what the fuck is this like yeah that guy's crazy and like as a kid it like seemed very you know enticing totally I mean I'm gonna say it was MTV I think I remember it being around like 82 1982 yeah. was like that year and um because for me it all like I was either in fourth or fifth grade and like seeing the first wave of videos on MTV, mm -hmm. like you said, like Ozzy yeah. and like, and then you had Van Halen, Hopper teacher yep. and, oh, and like yeah. quiet, Riot, yeah. And they yeah. just show those videos yeah. all day long. Yeah. And then Iron Maiden came out with like number, like run to the Hills oh, yeah. off of number of the beast. Yeah. And that record changed my life. Yeah. Like I bought that on tape. Yeah. Somehow I snuck that away from my mom. Like, and, uh, and yeah, that was just a game changer for me. So I was just like full in the, like, like that was my, like, I'm really into metal now, yeah. you know, type of thing. Like, I mean, I had like Sabbath and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Judas Priest, oh, early yeah. Judas Priest, but like that was like early wave, you know, but like Maiden was like the first real thing that was like kind of took it to another level of like that, you know, like, I guess it was like the new wave of like British heavy metal. Uh -huh. I, didn't, I didn't know about that back then, but like, um, yeah, it just had had a fresh sound to it, you know. And then, so <clears throat> obviously, metal and stuff took over. And then the the link from skateboarding to punk is very obvious. I mean, it was like yeah. it was everywhere. You know, if you if you look at any of the pro skaters of the time, they always like you'd always see like a misfit shirt or or like Sam Hain stickers and shit. Like you know, whatever yeah. like whatever it was. Um, also, too, like you know the puss head correlation. So it just seems like we we were all if you were into skateboarding, you were you were definitely gonna have to get into some fucked up music yeah no matter what you know but so but again i would like to talk about like the transition and the way or not the transition but the correlation between the way you physically play drums and skateboarding do you think there's a connection there yeah yeah i was gonna like say I, sh I was i was gonna say i totally avoided the question you asked but like purposely avoided uh, no, no, no 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 i just got <laughs> totally off track no. and just but all that shit was great stuff. yeah but like, i mean yeah. to back to what you asked i mean i don't think about it like I don't, not consciously. Yeah. But I mean, I think the way that I'm like wired, yeah. Whether it be like mentally and and physically, they both feel like the same thing to me uh -huh. in a, in a big in a big uh there's a big connection there. So like, I mean, obviously there's muscle memory that goes with skating that if you haven't done it in a long time, it fucking doesn't get any easier. Yeah. And same thing with drums, I mean like you know, if I haven't played in a month or two or something, for some reason, that really happens. But it it can hurt, you know. Uh -huh. Like, I mean, my, I'm just, my, like, my arms will be fucking sore. But, like, I tried going skating the other day even just for, like, half an hour. And I was just, like, it felt like I ran, like, three miles. Really? And I was wow. just, like, breathing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. They just both feel natural. And it just, you know, there's um, uh, um, a feeling that it just, just feels like, that's just what I do. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I just feel good doing both things. And, um, you know, there's a couple skate tricks that I still can do. And then it's like, to me, it's like the same thing of like fucking hitting the symbol super hard or something, you know, and like it has like that same kind of satisfaction. Yeah. Or you know, I don't know. The execution of it. Yeah. What about like, um, <laughs> you know, cause, cause I, <laughs> like I was never great at skateboarding, but I was really, really into it. And then I started playing music and then yeah. I, and then I broke my wrist, and I was like, "Oh fuck, I gotta make a decision here." Like, yeah, you, yeah. you're like, you're kind of like an insane situation because, like, yeah, 
you're doing both. Right. You know, or you were doing both. And then did, was there a point where like skateboarding kind of took, cause so you were a pro at some point, right? And then, yeah. you, and then you, yeah. and then you just kind of like what happened there? Because then you just stopped skating or, or what, when I was doing the skating thing, I mean, I still play, I played music, but like that was obviously just like garage bands and stuff. And then, um, I, th- I'm trying to think when I joined that band 411, yeah. that was my first recording and touring band. Okay. Um, we did two U.S. tours, and uh, that was my yeah. That was the first time I ever like jumped in a van and played venues and yeah. did the thing, you know. Well, but did anybody say like, "Dude, stop skating right now!" Like while you're doing this? No, we were all so naive. I mean, I was yeah. eighteen. Yeah, you know, and they're just like, "Oh, I mean, yeah." They were like, "Don't fucking hurt yourself," yeah. you know. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. none of us had money on the yeah. table. We're just like trying to fucking pay the gas tank, you yeah, know, the gas, and not lose our asses, and yeah. you know. But um. Yeah, I think back and it's like I would like skate like parks or whatever was yeah. around or go street skating yeah. like before I go after the show I'd meet up with like skaters and, and that come to our shows and oh, stuff because yeah. it was like a, you know kind of intertwined scene. Yeah. Like cuz we were kind of more it wasn't the straight edge scene but obviously like Dan had like that following yeah. and stuff and then I had a little bit of the skate following so everyone was just like oh let's go skate before the show and i was like all right let's do you know like yeah. go ahead and like jump down like stairs and stuff <laughs> yeah, and be yeah. like <laughs> come back with like cuts and everything did you like, ever have a problem where you were on tour and then you're like i have to we have to go home because i broke my wrist or something no yeah. no luckily not i the only time that happened was actually before the last rocket show that was in like 2005 or some of that when uh-huh. we had like we played that big hotel downtown uh-huh. and like a month and a half before that I was skating at Washington Street and I collided with this guy Glenn that helped build the park and he like we were going over the hump and we just like kind of just nicked each other in a weird way you know but like I hit my wrist and then like his finger like he dislocated two fingers and we were just kind of ah you know and then like I was like looking at my my wrist and it was just swollen and then just kept getting like bigger and bigger and it was just like black and blue and it wasn't broken but like there was no way I could like practice and stuff yeah so like maybe two weeks before the show I was like started feeling all right and then it was just like it was I, it was the most odd feeling to try and like hit your snare drum yeah and then like being just like oh this is how I normally hit it and then uh-huh. feeling like just electricity going all the way because yeah. it's like you weren't ready yet I'm with like, every oh. single hit yeah I'm just <laughs> yeah. like oh my god this is gonna be how am I gonna play two and a half yeah. hours whoa <laughs> you know like a in the last show of Rocket from the Crypt and people are flying all over the fucking yeah. world to like come see it you know wait last show well when we broke up the oh, first time you know yeah yeah and then uh the fake farewell tour <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but so did, you it worked out playing. yeah I ended yeah. Up, yeah i mean i just thank goodness for like ice and like tiger bomb <laughs> and that kind of thing you know yeah. so get sponsored by ice and tiger bomb <laughs> yeah <laughs> um where were we at? I don't know. <laughs> That's some crazy shit, though. The yeah. skateboarding stuff, I guess. Oh, but like skating and, and playing oh, shows. Um, no, that's the only time that I ever had like a close call with that, I guess. Um, but then like trying to think, because I'd take my board on tour no matter where I went, because mm-hmm. it was just like there's skate spots. Yeah. And I'm a skateboarder. And then uh, I was playing with Blackheart Procession, and we were... Oh, we were in Europe, and we were at a, a distributor label called Concurrent uh-huh. that was around at the time, 
and we were doing two shows with Fugazi and um and so we were all getting the gear from the same spot and I had this cruiser board with me it was like old soft like OJ wheels yeah. and stuff and just like for cruising around the city you know uh-huh. and then uh Ian McKay was out there like he was helping us load out stuff like he's like you guys he was so cool it's like you guys need help loading, you know, your stuff out. Yeah. Not their stuff. Yeah. Like they were done. Like, yeah. He could have just bailed and be like, fuck you guys. Like <laughs> yeah. Concurrent was like three stories up, you oh, know, he's like, yeah. he's like, you know, helping us like lug fucking big old base calves and yeah. shit and just down for the cause. And then I was like, Hey, like I knew he skated back in the day. And so I'm like, you want to try these old, you know, OJs out or whatever. And he's just like, Nope. Oh yeah. Like, nope. <laughs> Can't touch it. Yeah. And I'm just like, why? Like, I'm like, I'm like, you like skating? He's like, yep, love it. I'd love to ride that board, but I can't do it. And he's like, I have three other faces counting on me, you know, like, oh yeah, depending on me to play the, these shows yep. and stuff. Uh, it's like if I take one, if I hit one rock, yeah, fall down, you know, and like, yep. fuck it all up. Yeah, so I'm fucking their shit up. Yeah, <laughs> so that's interesting. I thought about you were it differently. Just like, I don't ever fuck since about then. anybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then John, one time, I was skating Burnside. Oh my god! Like yeah, those guys were terrified because at Burnside's like a gnarly park, yeah. and I'm like doing like inverts and yeah. like <laughs> flying over the hip, like ah! and like I think I fucking ate shit like really hard. It looked way worse. And yeah. It was like a Pete Rose slide. And oh yeah. Like, they're like they're like looking at the top. There's like, Ooh, like yeah, their eyes are all over. big. <laughs> and like John was like, it's like man, remember there's five other faces yeah. counting on you. <laughs> <laughs> so. I kind of thought about it differently since then. I was just like, you know what? Like on tour, I'll, I won't bring my board. Yeah. Or if I, oh, whatever. You know, like, yeah, I don't you bring do my bring board. It. Oh, you don't? No. Yeah. Yeah, I leave it at home. There's At least been, I have for a long time. The, the, I remember uh, we, I think it was, I think the Locust tour was <clears> dead and gone. And, and, um, the, and like, maybe, I don't know if it was, maybe we weren't touring with them. Either way, dead and gone was on tour. They, they went from the Bay Area to, I think their first show was like Denver. Mm-hmm. And they, they were playing a skate park. And Brian Stern, the bass player, was like, cool, I'm going to, I'm going to skate. Like, <laughs> like, like three minutes at the park, broke, breaks his wrist, uh, tours over. They had to drive straight back from fucking Colorado and didn't even do like the oh whole five month or five week tour. You know? Yeah, I bet they were fucking pissed. Yeah, but that, yeah. that's what, that's probably what happened to Ian. You know, he's like, oh yeah, let me grab that. And then just yeah. breaks a wrist or whatever and then tours over. Yeah, no fun. Um, So was, this is, fu- this is maybe a fucked up question to ask, but was 411 <laughs> a straight edge band or was it just? No, no. Yeah. I mean, not. Because that, you know, that would put you uh, in, the, in the pocket there. Huh? <laughs> right. I mean, obviously, Dan came from that background. And um, uh, Josh and Kevin, the other two guys, were part of that scene. But I don't think Kevin or Josh were... I don't know. Maybe they were straight edge at some point. Because mm-hmm. they, they went to all those shows and stuff. And were a part of that whole thing for a long time. But um, Kevin was more from a metal background, like me. And um, and Dan was definitely at some point, you know, yeah. straight edge and stuff. But when we started, didn't he we, have like he has like poison free tattooed on him? And then yeah, he like, I heard he like got used to be above the poison free tattoo. Yeah, I'm not sure where that <laughs> tattoo stands of these days, but I'm sure when I see him, it will. will uh, I'll observe it. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, when we started that band, I mean, I I joined last. Um, you know, because they had recorded that seven inch before I joined the band. And um, we just kind of wanted to do something different that was just more blending, you know, the melodic side of hardcore. But then also Kevin having this kind of hard metal edge, you know, like yeah. vibe and just doing whatever kind of felt good. And when I joined 
like the songs just started like kind of coming together really fast uh-huh. with what Kevin was writing and then just like being able to play to what he wrote, you know. And plus, I mean, for me, like I was coming from Vista. Yeah. And like I only played in a band with my close skate friend, yeah. Mark Hostetter, uh, oh. you know, and we. But wait, we, what did Mark go on to do? Um, n- He didn't really do any bands no? after. Oh. Yeah. Like he, he worked in the skate industry. Yeah. And um, like Domieto or something or uh, Tracker. Oh, Tracker. Okay, yeah. yeah. So which Tracker was at the time like Transworld. Oh yeah, yeah. Tracker, and then they started a, a kind of a bigger like distribution thing later uh-huh. on. But um, yeah, that's who I joined my first band with, and uh, we had a bunch of different cornball names, you know, that kind of grew. But then like our band that we did a couple shows with was called uh, Committed. And at first it was North County committed, and then it was like trying to be like the ex, you know, oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. North County hardcore. hardcore. Yeah, yeah. And then like, you know, and we just played parties, but like, uh, we used to practice at this band called Blood Lake, uh-huh. which was a band. They were like in Oceanside, Tri City uh-huh. area, but they were fucking gnarly. Uh-huh. So Simon, that was in Crash Worship, played drums in Blood Lake, uh-huh. and it was pretty pretty good punk rock. Um, but his drumming was huge influence for me huh. especially like for click attack because he you know crash worship was all tribal yeah. you know kind of nutty like out there you yeah. know stuff but he had that kind of vibe in blood lake huh. where like he had a typical drum set but then he had like a little like a snare drum almost like a timbali or something like that like tuned all weird but he'd do all these fucked up tribal beats with like you know totally adrenalized like hardcore yeah so it was just in like he kind of had that kick drum thing that I was just like that boom, 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 like constant. And like, it was just over the top. So we would practice at their house. So seeing that guy play that kind of music was just like, just blew my like, creative uh, mind open. And I think that like, did you ever play in crash worship? No, 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 no. I only saw them a couple times uh, and that was really cool. I mean, uh, a lot of people like, like Aaron Montaigne played yeah. in it and Jose Palafox played in it. Like random people would just be in it every now and then. Yeah, know, yeah, just... yeah. They would kind of have a huge ensemble, it yeah. seemed like, and yeah. stuff. But, um, but no, that would have been fun, though. But but yeah, so um, that those early days of my first kind of band or whatever, um, you know, we just played parties, local parties, and yeah. that was it. So getting into 411 was super... Um, eye-opening as to like wow you yeah know, we can like actually go and, and tour and and recording at West Beach you know it was like wow it was like a like a real yeah. studio you yeah know? And, uh, because of like you think because of Dan maybe yeah and it's like you know they had he had his ties to like Frank at Nemesis uh-huh. and like whatever um, uh, cargo what was cargo but what was the label the headhunter yeah and just like kind of that the whole thing yeah you know? so which is also compared maybe, to what I had, I had no ties. No. Yeah, <laughs> but that was that. Do you think that might have like, because then you ended up doing a stuff with with cargo. I mean, I guess like I guess it's like kind of an incestuous scene, like Southern yeah. California or whatever. So yeah, it make it would make sense. Yeah, cruising back to that spot. Um, okay, so I want to ask. I mean, <clears throat> I really want to dive into Click Attack stuff, but um, did did Chicano Christ happen before Click Attack? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that was all around four one one. For okay, because uh, Kevin Murphy, the four one one guitar player, he 
he lived with Ron Martinez. Okay, because we we talked about this the other night, and I was fucking blown away. You got to tell me this story again, because I was like, dude, that is so hilarious. It <laughs> it came up because we were talking about like Brujeria or something, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So can you tell me this story again? Totally. It's um. Uh, hold on here. Let me think back. Okay, so practicing at the Fat House, which was Ron's house. You know, there was like just typical punk house. Yeah. Was he in Final Conflict? Was obvious. He was in it. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And they were kind of on hiatus at the time. He, ha- I forget what the band he had at the time going on. But anyways, like that's where Formula One practiced. Kevin lived there. A couple other people. Vadim Rubin lived there. He uh-huh. was in a band called Half Off. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, I always thought they were and, from the East Coast. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But yeah, they were L- or whatever. Point right. Park. Yeah. Um. So we practiced there, and I would go up every weekend and just stay the weekend at Ron's house, uh-huh. and um. And then ended up being pretty close friends with him at yeah. the time. So we'd always go to like Zed Records and yeah. go record shopping, go to shows, you know, like all weekend and stuff. And then uh, we went to go see Econochrist play and uh, and they were killer. There was That was a great show. And we'd get back after seeing them. And then I think we had just like smoked weed or something stupid. And, and, and then like oh, we were listening to that Brujaria 7-inch the first one that came out uh-huh. and then just like Ron just started laughing like out of control and just like it's like oh my god he's like he's like I got it <laughs> and then he's like Chicano Christ and I'm just like what are you talking about <laughs> and then he's like he's like well like Brujeria is a fake band you know what I mean it's like a drug cartel it was like I think it was like Billy Gold from Faith No More and like this other guy Dean um, I don't know he, he worked at the college or something like that but it was you know it was a total just fake like a spoof yeah, yeah you know on this whole thing and he's like dude we'll be Brujaria's rival band and it's like we'll be vegetarian homeboys you know and like he's like <laughs> Chicano Christ and it was like you know so we just were started I don't know, elaborating on this like masterpiece of an idea, obviously, <laughs> that we're still fucking talking about 30 damn years later. <laughs> so we wrote, we were like, okay, who are we going to get for the, for the band? And then like Kevin, we're like, oh, he's the token white guy. So we'll like, we'll name him Casper or something like that. And then our buddy Steve, he was like a short little Mexican guy. He played bass in a band called Free Bass. Uh-huh. There was just two bass players in uh-huh. the drum machine. And we're like, yeah, he's That's perfect. Yeah. He's short and he's kind of stuffy and he's yeah. like, and he's all pissed off. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we just came up with the whole cast of characters. And um, I think I took one of my grandma's pictures of Jesus and like did the bandana and yeah. like the whiteout, like the Vato X's and uh-huh. put like a like a just a joint in his mouth. <laughs> and then we wrote the lyrics in one weekend. We practiced two times, did the seven inch, and uh, we played one show. And then the one show was actually supposed to be Rage Against the Machines' first show yeah. in a garage in Irvine. Yeah. And we played with one of a couple other, like Mission Impossible, some uh-huh. other like straight edge bands. And then Rage was all set up, ready to go inside this garage. And, and like, literally, like, Zach was like doing the whole like talking of like, yeah, the fuck does this do? You know, like, <laughs> you fuck, you with me or what? Yeah. <laughs> like, they're right, like, literally about to click into the yeah. song, and then you hear this fucking, like, knock, 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 knock on the garage door, and it's the Irvine police. Wow. <laughs> it's like, lift up the door, and it's like, yeah. oh. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, that's great. So, um, it, so now's the time you should it. get that band back together. <laughs> it's kind of funny, though. Like, I mean, I played guitar in that band, so. 
and Kevin played drums. Yeah. So it was just like an excuse for us to like switch around yeah. and have fun and do that. Um, but yeah, we were actually surprised how many people actually kind of like liked. I mean, liked it, I think at the know? time, Econochrist was such an important band to a lot of people. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that, you know, like they're on Vermiform. Like it, and then so like there was this Chicano Christ thing, which just obviously got all the attention, you know, because of it. So <laughs> yeah. the joke worked, I guess, or right. whatever. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's just, I would love to just tell <clears throat> the, the insane thing that that clicked to Akitaoui is because it, I feel like it kind of came out of nowhere, and I still, to this day, like, I mean, you can kind of reference certain elements of it, but, like, it was, like, the most bizarre band of that time, you know? And yeah. I remember, like, seeing you guys play with, like, Man is the Bastard at, at the Huntington Library. Yeah. And it was funny to watch people who are, <clears throat> like, those guys all had pretty eclectic music taste, like, but to watch Man is the Bastard just lose their fucking shit over you guys, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, and it's justified. Like, it's a, an, it was an incredible band, incredible band, but, like, to watch these dudes that are just so gnarly and they're, like, this, you know, they, they're the ones that coined power violence and they're like watching yeah. this like sort of post-punk like almost like a I don't know like where, where like fuck I don't even want to say what I what I the, the influences that I was like what I saw as a you know as a younger person like when it was yeah. happening but like wh- like can you is there anything you could say like how it started and, and maybe like why because it was bizarre musically yeah um man um well I met Scott I mean, going back to like where I met Scott was like going back to my first band, like uh, Committed, uh-huh. and we recorded this demo at in, in off of Acadia Boulevard. There used to be a house by this band, uh, Manifest Destiny, uh-huh. and they're like an old Mystic Records yeah. band. But they had like a four track studio in the garage, and uh, that band Blood Lake turned into turned into a band called Acid Bath, and <laughs> um, Scott he was like 15 at the time was managing this band yeah so yeah the 15 year old managing a band of like 27 year olds Whoa. or something like but that but scott at the know? time was like booking like yeah he did giant shows and right like he was booking and, yeah. like tied down productions like he was yeah. booking like all these out-of-town bands yeah. which was pretty insane and kind of a, a another podcast show in itself <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah. keep telling people i'm like interview this guy it's yeah. like a 13 year old kid booking rko like yeah come on <laughs> yeah um so anyways that's where i met scott for the first time and uh and then fast forward a few years later i did like a couple improvised shows with this this guy uh i think they called him bakta tim oh yeah and he was in tit wrench for a minute too yeah he yeah. was like one of bob's friends yeah. and then he was from North County, from uh-huh. close to where I was, and somehow he got a hold of my number, and he'd always just call me. Uh-huh. And I was like, whatever. And I talked to him, and I kind of thought he was like a little freaky and weird yeah. and stuff, but he just would not stop bugging yeah. me about trying to play. Uh-huh. And so finally, he kind of wore me down, and and like, <laughs> that's all. I was takes, like, all right, <laughs> like, let's. He's like, hey, you want to like want to do these shows at the Underground UCSD at the Underground spot? Oh, yeah. And so um, the first one we did was with Antioch Arrow. Oh, I and, saw that. Yeah, so it was just me and him, and then this dude Gunner that played yeah. bass, and who was also in Tit Wrench. Yeah, Tit yeah. Wrench. Yeah, so I do not remember musically what it was at all, like what I did, or I think it was just kind of just noise yeah. shit. But that's where I think I met Ryan first, 
and then hooked up with Scott again. Uh-huh. And like Scott's like, oh, we should jam sometime, dude. You know. Yeah. And yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where we connected. Um, so heroin was kind of not happening. I think it was. They were still a band. But but yeah, yeah. But, but maybe. Scott. But I think it was towards the end. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then C, I knew from skating. I used to skate with C oh, all the okay. time at McGill's skate park. Was he a pro skater too? He was sponsored. Uh-huh. He probably could have been pro. Yeah. You know, but he never, he kind of stopped after that and got into like yeah. music. And yeah. So we'd skate at McGill's all the time and uh, knew each other from that. And then I remember him wearing pitchfork shirts and stuff. And then like I knew of pitchfork because yeah. um, they used to play at the Blood Lake house and they'd play together. Um, so there was, I mean, there was these connections there already. Uh-huh. And then after that, um, oh, that thing with, with Tim and Gunner, I think he called it fervor. And then after that, Scott called me and said, Hey, like, let's try and, you know, jam. I was thinking of like, uh, you know, getting at having Ryan like hook up and stuff. And then like, you know, Matt Goldsby or whatever, you know, before he was C and then, um, wait, can we talk about that? What do you mean before he was C? I thought his name was always C. Matt Goldsby. I don't think it was. Really? I think C came after. I think uh-huh. he just changed that or added uh-huh. that on. I'm yeah. pretty sure. I, sorry, C, if I'm wrong here, but yeah. like, <laughs> I just always knew you as Matt Goldsby. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. The skate park and stuff. But um, it's but funny yeah. how a lot, of, a lot of those people are changing. Like, yeah. Ron Anarchy is now Maximilian, but yeah, he's still Ron Anarchy though. I know, and it's hard. <laughs> I like bite my tongue. I'm like Ron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. But um, yeah, and then. I think the first jam that we ever had was at my house. I lived at my grandparents' house from when I was like 14, 15, up until whatever, until I ended up moving out. And we just fucking all just buckled into my room. And, uh, yeah, just kind of just started blasting out, like, whatever. You know, like, we didn't, like, no one had, like, a specific riff. Ryan Ryan couldn't even play bass Uh at first. So he was kind of, like, hitting... He sounded like void, you know, like just hitting open strings and hitting whatever he notes he could. He could he couldn't play with shit. I tell you that. Uh-huh. And like <laughs> Scott just was kind of like playing, like making up songs, yeah. of, you know, coming up. And I we just locked in, and somehow that like improvised came out to be. Um, oh man, affirmation I think was the song. Uh-huh. No, 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 no. DNA time, but I don't know. I'd have to like hear it again, but it's yeah. like one of the more hardcore songs that we did in the demo tape. Oh. And uh, that kind of just came out sort of like improvised. And then we just honed in on these couple parts. Yeah. And made a song out of it and then taught Ryan how to actually like, you know, stay, stay on a couple parts and stuff. Um, yeah, I have that tape somewhere. Um, but yeah, then we just kind of started playing more and then like, you know, practicing wherever we could. We used to practice that moonlight music, and the, yeah. that's the place by the La Paloma Theater. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, La- Scott worked there for a long time. Yeah, which was crazy too, because so my perspective of it was, <clears throat> I always thought like watching you and and Ryan playing bass like locked locked in. That was like the groove yeah. and the and the rhythm, which were like partially. I mean, fuck, man, because I guess at the time like. <clears throat> I, I really was focused on 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 the bass playing. I played bass, but I was like yeah. always kind of watching like the, the the connection that you two had, and so it seemed really good to me. And then there was like Scott, who had at the time had like what I thought was a lot of pedals. I don't know, totally, that, but yeah, I mean, it he, was, yeah. And I was just, and it was always like the guitar was always just like, 
you know, and I could never right. really like get like there was never like you know the hook or like the guitar. It was always just like the bass line was keeping it down, right. and then there was just like this swirly fucking crazy shit that Scott did, uh-huh. and then. Which it was funny too, like watching you guys. Like I'm, I think it's one of those things. Like I want to enjoy the music, and I do feel the music, but I'm always fixated on like the musicianship. Like what is that person doing, or how is this happening? And I, yeah, I can't like. I mean, occasionally when I watch music, I'll you know I'll bob my head or I'll move, but like I really am like laser focused on like, I don't know, like the schematics of what's happening. Yeah. But then so there was like the the weirdest thing for me, and then and then and to watch, and then and then there was and then there was Matt or C, you know, just like vocally totally had like ian curtis vibes yeah but again i was like where's the like like it was such a strange thing because it didn't seem like structurally like here's the verse and the chorus it was just like what the fuck is happening there's just a a, an an insane groove with the drums and the bass and then just like the shit happening on top of it everywhere not shit in bad way but like stuff like here's this and the sounds and the weird voice and whatever and it was just like the weirdest thing i think ryan not knowing how to play at first and then gradually learning how to play really well in my opinion for what we were doing was kind of the catalyst and like like i had to you know and scott not really like having like oh here's a set song and here's this i got this riff or something you know like like we would just start playing and scott would just kind of start doing whatever making sounds and i think that for me was like I had to step up and create something for them, mm. you know, for Ryan to play off of. And like, you know, so, so I just it started with the beat. Yeah. So I just started coming up with like, you know, patterns and what my head was like patterns, you know, like, um, identity crisis, you mm. know, da, 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 you know, coming yeah. up with something oh, like yeah, that, yeah. you know, like, and like, like, so they would play it to me uh-huh. and Ryan would just kind of like, circle around whatever like i was doing uh-huh. and he that you know that would get his like mind working to come up and like get better and better and better or do you know and yeah. also be in time and then scott could just kind of do whatever he did you know because he was already a good player yeah i mean he just wanted to do different shit you know and then scott's ear is so different than anyone i've ever fucking met in the world uh-huh. you know so like like i might think he might be coming from Detroiton. But in his head, he's coming from Christina Aguilera. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you ever heard any of his compilation tapes? What do you mean compilation? Like, he would, you know, like, make a tape of comps of bands that he oh, likes. Uh-huh. Yeah. The weirdest fucking tapes ever in the fucking world. Yeah. Like, you know, it'd be like, Void. And then, like, Articles of Faith demo. And then jump into, like, Britney Spears. Yeah. And then, like... The freeway report of like you know there's a lot of traffic going on on the highway 805 and then like jump back in it was just like so eclectic and i'd be like man your tapes really like fuck me up yeah (laughs) but that that makes sense and that's i mean that's a total san diego thing. yeah yeah but um back to the click attack thing like i think that enabled us to just kind of create these you know pieces where there was nothing really said about how we you know like it didn't have to be this way it didn't have to you know like the song doesn't go like this but we'd come up with like the pattern of like you know my drums i would do my drums and ryan would do his thing on a bass and then scott would just fucking create whatever these soundscapes and then have some riffs here and there and c would just kind of do his poetry thing and kind of do that and so it was like poetry then there was really never like a chorus or anything right and you know but i mean like they turned into songs, you yeah. know, and like for us and like, yeah, it's just, 
yeah it's a trip to think back like like all right it's done you know these songs are done or this song is done uh-huh. oh cool we came up with this that's pretty cool like um yeah i mean it was the craziest like also too maybe it was the timing because for for me and this is maybe just like a like a skewed perspective but <clears throat> being in like hardcore and like we were you know like i was always like really tuned into like uh ebullition and the heart attack and, and yeah. magazine that they that kent did and stuff and that was like the world that i kind of was um you know sort of like honed in on but then but then like but then Antioch arrow came and and i think maybe maybe because of nation Ulysses or something yeah. but out of like Antioch arrow i feel was then click attack and then it was just like all the weird shit and and it was the reaction from these sort of like hardcore purists like calling it like art you know like artsy fartsy shit and i was like yeah. oh but it's so much cooler than yeah. just like the normal shit that everyone's been doing you know and it yeah and, it, and especially i think maybe uh people in san diego were able to accept it and and really like really latch onto it and grab onto it and in a way that like maybe someone like kent mcclard or people that were just you know strictly into hardcore uh couldn't manage because we were used to like the the sort of mindset of like the the mixtape that scott made right we were used to like fucking seeing you know i don't even like crash worship play with you know daddy long legs or whatever yeah. weird ass and it's shit, even you know? like pitchfork pitchfork totally. you know was such a um a departure from anything that was like hardcore yeah. you know what i mean like they were you know at the time it was like it took me a few listens to kind of like oh like hone in on what they were doing you know like because i wasn't at the time i wasn't into like super melodic but were you stuff so with you pitchfork know? were you interested in what was before pitchfork and I didn't you, really know. I mean, like, yeah. I just, I just liked hard music. Like, oh. I was into like, Discharge and yeah. like, yeah. you know, like yeah. whatever, like, more kind of straight, narrow-minded, like hardcore, yeah. you know. And then like hearing Pitchfork was like, oh, there's still energy there, but yeah. there's like melodic stuff going on. And then like, Joey's drums were like really cool, and and then uh, and, you know like John's guitar playing was so different at the time too but like rick's vocals you know like mm-hmm. yeah know, like, it was yeah. cool like seeing him seeing it live i got to see him like two or three times so it's like i was just like oh, I, I mean it just i i liked it yeah. you know and um yeah just i just thought san diego always kind of had such a eclectic you know range of bands that like you said would play together uh-huh. and um yeah compared to other places I think around the country or in the state, you know, it's like if people were into hardcore, they were just really into like hard, yeah. like hardcore. Yeah, definitely like Antioch Arrow and like even like the end of Heroin, you know, was getting a little bit different. Sure. But then like Antioch Arrow and, and then Clickitat, like kind of just yeah, just said later to yeah. whatever was thought that we had to like yeah. you know be like or whatever. normal music or average yeah. music. Or that's crazy because I wonder. So bringing it in, <clears throat> mentioning Pitchfork, like I wonder where um, that first Drive Like Jehu record fits into the timing of things. Because I really, I wonder if Click Attack was a was a, a thing that maybe might have. I don't know. Ins- we were inspired. after Jehu. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Because. Yeah, I guess fuck, I guess man. it would have been like a year or two after. Yeah, a couple years after, and I tri- I always forget about this. Like up. the first Jehu record. I was in the studio at West Beach finishing up 411 recording and then Jehu was in the mixing room mixing that first album. Oh. And I remember walking in 
and Donald Cameron was with like John and Rick and uh -huh. I, was, I was like hey like I kind of I didn't know them back yeah. then but like we kind of had seen each other yeah and so I was like hey what's up you know yeah. you guys are from San Diego right and I was like yeah yeah and I remember hearing like what was coming out of the speakers in the mixing room like I was just like fuck this sounds pretty cool some you know? wild shit yeah like, like especially with the guitar stuff yeah so not to jump too far away or around or whatever but like your yeah. relationship with john where did i mean that's a big deal like obviously you know i mean yeah um i came way later way later yeah yeah well which is actually now a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> well i would like to know i mean i, I want to fill in the gaps between the like where we were with click attack because yeah. i also too like you, that i would love to okay let's before we get to the genre stuff let's talk about the because I, I i still am like i still wish that something manifested out of that um time i saw you in um philly when you were playing for john hughes or john hughes was there oh right with click attack yeah right? yeah that was some weird shit yeah. So I know we talked about it, but but so you were saying that like you weren't because this is like pre-internet. So we we were just everybody just thought there's this new John Hughes movie coming out, and you and Click Attack was gonna be in the movie. You know what it was now because I had a little bit of time to think about it when you brought that up because that was just such a like a seriously a two night thing I think where I'd seen them and met him and um, him John Hughes and I think his son he had a son they were starting a label that's okay. what it was okay. it was called hefty and um so they were starting this label we used to play Jabberjaw all the time yeah and i think that's where um there was a chick that was involved too i think her name was jessica i can't remember oh but. yeah so she would come to our shows all the time and she hit us up about hey like thinking of you know we're or we're doing this new label called hefty it's backed by john hughes yeah and john hughes's son so we were like, oh, I don't know, like yeah. whatever, and like, and then at least we entertained the idea to like to listen, you know, and see what they'd say. Um, but it never manifested. never happened. Yeah, no. yeah. I I just thought it was supposed because I heard that there was like a new movie that never came out, like the last John Hughes film never happened. Yeah, was... yeah. And I don't think it was ever thinking about being in a movie, but like that label they were huh. trying to do, which I don't know if everything anything ever happened with that. Yeah, you know. Well, the folk um, folklore that I thought was the story yeah it seems cooler. I'm sure it, kind like, of it would have been just <laughs> amazing up. to see you in one of the movies you know? oh man yeah that would have been cool because um, he was obviously like back then like the, the shit, the shit the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all those films were really um inspiring and i think uh <clears throat> important to, to people on on all, all all walks of life i guess yeah um but let's okay then let's talk about the your relationship with john <clears throat> reese how did how did that happen and then um what, like what was the first thing you guys did together um well i joined rocket from the crypt um trying to think what which was led to that though we did that tour locust toured with you guys when you first joined yeah that's right and that yeah. was that was like one of the first like probably the second tour i ever did with him yeah because we were like going through the south i think and yeah stuff like that people fucking hated us but that was john's that was john's goal like he right. was like let's bum everybody out and bring the locusts yeah and we were and he like, just liked it i mean eclectic. Yeah, yeah. he was never he's never been afraid to like yeah but his fan on, or the know. rocket fans of, yeah. of the of texas do yeah. not want the locusts right. no, totally. anywhere near them <laughs> or like alabama where the fuck were we we were like all in the south i just remember like every night being like fuck again like just getting persecuted yeah like. but it was cool we were like we were down it was funny because we really like uh, obviously grew up with um 
John's work, Pitchfork, and then and then and then Jehu. Yeah. And then it was cool to just be around him um, and to have him, you know, to have that sort of like camaraderie between between the bands. But then when you joined, uh, and not and not to make it weird, but like I, I do think that Click Attack was a was a huge influence on the way that like that probably like how Gabe Serbian got into drumming, but also like it was a huge influence on everybody at the Locust at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, even our previous drummer Dave Astor and and then and then me and Bobby and Gabe all were just uh, obviously really into Clickatat so yeah. so it made sense but it was cool to go on tour with you guys in Rocket because you know we already liked Rocket but it wasn't and this is no offense to that to the band but like musically it's 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 rock and roll and that's cool but it's not Clickatat or it's not Jehu it's not like the fucked up weird shit that like yeah. our you know that we were into but it was cool to see uh, a really awesome band get you as the drummer because then it was like fuck now it's like i don't know it added this like extra level of of um of something um uh, uh, i don't want to say like musicianship uh, but it added like it added like i don't know what it, like an aesthetic that that was really important um i think to people us that that wouldn't normally just listen to like um accessible music because right. Rocket's a, an ex, sort of an accessible band yeah um, but um, that was always like so anyhow on that tour we were just like holy fuck Rocket's like the raddest shit now because you joined and it was <laughs> it was cool just to kind of be around it <laughs> and cool. like see it in a, on a yeah. different different level you yeah know? that's cool play a pizza we played a pizza place in um, Little right. Rock and it was <laughs> like you know it was like that was great and everyone hated us and, yeah. and everyone loved you guys <laughs> and it was, seemed like a perfect night yeah at pizza yeah. Um, so that your your relationship went from there, and then obviously, you were brought into the mix with a lot with a bunch of John stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I I was living in Chicago at the time. I lived there for like three years, from like ninety seven to like two thousand, and uh, I just said move there after Clickatab broke up. I did. Um, I did a couple records like really fast with Rob Crow with a thingy. I think we did like two two records in the span of like six months or uh-huh. something. It was really fast. And then I was moving, so then that thing came to an end. Oh wait, real quick, did yeah. you do Sea of Tombs over and when you were in Chicago? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's that where with... that started from. What? So that's where that started from. But that came out of uh, Bill and Jessica that were in the Jacks. Jacks. Yeah, and they were on tour. And they saw Click Attack play with Jesus Lizard at the Brick by Brick or the Spirit or whatever yeah. it was at the time. Oh. And the Jacks played, I think, that night too. And that's where I Wait, met Bill. Jacks played in San Diego? Yeah, I think so. What the or fuck? they were there. I can't. They either played somewhere else before uh, uh. and then came to that show because they were uh, friends with Jesus Lizard. Oh. And so that's where I met Bill and Jessica. And they were like, later on, they're, you know, they tried to get in touch with me about trying to do something, you know, with like the Jacks or something yeah. like that oh. at the time. But then they split up. Yeah, the two cu- the two couples. Yeah. yeah, so they split up. And so when I moved to Chicago, I got their info, and then um, yeah, I started jamming with Bill and Jessica, and um, we shared a room with like Don Cab and like a couple other people and stuff, and um, and trying to think we never really had like anything in mind but like you know we all we liked the Stooges a lot and we liked Blue Chair a lot and like we liked 
you know, birthday party and, mm-hmm. and like, and then at the time I was really into getting into like a lot of, um, obscure kind of garage, heavy psych, like kind of this period that was still like sixties, like the seeds, you know, very like yeah. garage rock. Yeah. But then when they started getting a little bit more hairier and doing acid and uh. started getting more like punk and like fuzz pedaled out, you know, uh. but it wasn't too proficient yet. Uh-huh. So it's just a very specific time period, and I, I found all these bands that I was just like, "Fuck, listen to this!" You yeah, like check this out. And so we just kind of started jamming and like coming up with these like pieces, and they were just instrumental pieces, just because yeah. we never found a singer. Oh. Um, but Bill, he helped build Electrical Audio, uh-huh. which is Albini's studio. So he was the main one of the main people like building this spot, and like he's like an electronics you, was that wizard. Record recorded with Steve. No, 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 no. We did it ourselves. Oh. So um, he had accumulated all this free time to record, you know. Uh-huh. And so, you know, the whole time I was there, we never played a show. We would just jam. We never recorded. And then finally, like, the thing with, with joining Rocket came up through, like, Paul of Blackheart Procession. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd visit and hang out with Paul when I was in town. And he'd be like, oh, uh, Rocket's looking for a drummer. Like, would you ever be into doing that? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, list. man. I'm like, you know, like I used to see the rocket shows way early on. Yeah. You know, and then I kind of fell out of touch. I think the last show I saw was like the night they dressed up as Scream, Dracula, Scream. Oh, yeah. And then those pictures ended up being taken uh-huh. on the record. Uh-huh. And I hadn't seen them since after that. Yeah. So, um, you know, fast forward like five years and Paul's like, oh, like been like a year then still looking for a drummer whoa and like it was yeah they were looking for a drummer for like a really long time after adam quit and so i got andy's number and um because paul was was dating tracy at the time and tracy and andy lived together at the otra house and then i think i got andy's number but i never talked to andy and out of nowhere i got like a i think i got a call from john and saying hey like would you ever want to like audition or you know check it out whatever yeah. i was like yeah if i'm in town whatever we'll see what's happening you know yeah. I, w- I mean at the time i was thinking of moving back to san diego but like not to like a year and a half or you know saving up or uh-huh. something so he sent me a demo of like four songs that chris prescott played on and i actually really liked the songs because they were kind of going back to just really straightforward mm. like kind of punk you know yeah like high energy rock yeah so I was like, oh, man, I'll definitely give this a shot. So um, we uh, organized, like, a time to head back that I could, like, visit my family, and then, like, we could, like, jam. And, uh, yeah, and it fucking, it, right away, it was just like, yeah, this is it. Yeah. This, like, it, it felt good. Yeah. Like, everyone, we were just like, yeah, let's fucking do this, yeah. you know? Um, so I moved back to San Diego way quicker than I thought I was. Um, so with that being said, the, with Bill and Jessica, we we're like, oh, we got to record these jams. You oh, know? yeah. So we're like, let's do it. You know, so we started like really kind of honing down on what we had. We had like six things. And um, yeah, and we just recorded them ourselves. We had all this time. We did the A studio for a little bit. And then we're like, oh, this doesn't really work for us. Yeah. We had this nice fucking lush studio. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, let's go in the B side. And then we drug out like the big old A track, you know, thing and recorded in the dead room or tried all this different shit and you know kind of took our time with it it was fun oh cool and then uh yeah and that's how that record came out and then you, matt a put it out yeah do you think that band was the start of earthless yeah yeah, yeah. it was like a, i was gonna say it's like a precursor to yeah. what you know 
later on like earthless would form you know because like I've you met... got a taste of it or whatever you're like this is yeah I'm like this well is... like when i hooked up with mike eggington mm-hmm. back when i moved back you know uh we were just hanging out and going over like just like records we were into and stuff yeah. and then we were like oh like it'd be cool to start a band that was like very specific you know like kraut rock and then like japanese like psychedelic rock mm-hmm. you know like flower traveling band and you know like i'm on duel and all these like weird fucking bands and then we're like oh yeah we should fucking try that out like yeah. let's you know and then isaiah was living in oakland at the time and when he came back down then we jammed with him and then that's where that fucking came from but i was like our in rocket yeah so like i was full-time rocket so earthless was just kind of like oh, a couple jams here and there um but yeah sea of tombs was definitely like the first instrumental thing that i'd ever done that was like heavy psychedelic rock but it was more kind of punk tinged like like stooges really primitive guitar playing yeah you know and yeah and uh but it was yeah it was cool i feel I, like that's I, one of the records the sea of tombs records was, that people just never found out about which is yeah. a bummer you know it's yeah like, man, it came cool. out on 9-11 <laughs> like on it was the 9-11 it was wow. released like on 9-11 it was just like like fuck what a what a never forget that, that record like, <laughs> yeah, yeah but it was also like kind of like I don't know. It was like kind of cryptic in a weird way yeah. to me. I was just like, ugh, like thinking of both of them combined. Totally. But, but yeah, even the no offense to anybody, but like the name of the band and yeah, you know, yeah. Like it just seems like <clears throat> it's also instrumental. So there's not really like a specific message. It's just yeah. kind of like a vibe and a, and a feeling yeah. or something. Yeah. It's cool that people found out about it a little bit later on though. And people that like kind of dig backwards and they hear that and they're like, Oh, this is pretty cool to hear this. Like, pre-earthless sort of thing yeah you know, that matt did too you know like i was pretty surprised that matt wanted to put it out too like on yeah. gravity you know, like yeah so it did um, seem like an odd um shift from from like what he was oh, doing big time. what <laughs> big time yeah totally. yeah but it but it also again going back to the, like the san diego vibe it's like whatever do whatever the fuck you want i mean i think yeah. he had already like put out like a black heart record or something yeah or, or through my pilot maybe yeah, or through my pilot yeah, yeah or yeah, something so. and you're just like okay well clearly anything goes and that's yeah that's great you yeah. know um man that's so the john stuff i mean you, you were doing rocket and then eventually he recruited you for some hot snakes yeah yeah that was that was interesting because i was a fan of hot snakes and like they weren't really a touring band during the first like when those first two albums came out they had done one tour around that second album and i think that kind of initially started the spark of like them wanting to do the band a little bit more Uh um as a touring thing and then um jason had just joined the burning brides with dimitri that later i played with and off yeah um so bad timing in that kind of scenario for him but also, like, he had joined this, you know, Burning Brides, like, signed to, like, a major label uh-huh. and all this stuff. And I just remember I was working one day, and, and then I get a call from uh, Brian Dilworth, rest in peace. And uh, he was like, hey, uh, got a situation. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's up, dude? Like, first of all, he never, he never used to call me back then. Yeah. I'm like, what's going on? And he's yeah. like, um, so Jason and Hot Snakes and, and Jason and Burning Brides. It's like something's not working out here so like basically there was an uh a overlap in like the touring mm-hmm. so um 
<laughs> the end of the Hot Snakes tour was the beginning of this Burning Brides tour supporting Queens of the Stone Age. Uh-huh. Like on whenever that Songs for the Deaf album oh, came yeah. out, which was like a big deal yeah. at the time. And so with them just signing on a major label and like getting this big support deal, like Demetrius like, I don't give a fuck. Whatever, like pretty much like, you got to do these shows. Like, yeah. You're like, fuck, you know, fuck Hot Snakes or whatever. Like, you know, That's like, a crazy and then Jason's like, I'll just finish these shows or whatever. And, yeah. and then like, John's like, no, you're finishing these shows. And so J- like Jason was kind of like, fuck, like being tugged on by like two people, like yeah. finish, don't finish, whatever. Yeah. So. I mean, that's a terrible situation, <laughs> but also like he's in two, two potentially yeah. successful avenues. You know? So Dimitri is pretty hard headed dude, <laughs> but like, you know, um, he's like the only way it's like you can finish these shows is if, you get me Mario and like to like sub for, for Jason on those Queens of the Stone Age shows. Wait, so you played in Burning Brides? Yeah, for four shows. What the fuck? Yeah. Whoa. So Brian was like, yeah, come out to Philly, you know, uh, spend like two weeks, rehearse with the guys. And I'd met, you know, because Burning Brides opened up um, the first Rocket Tour. We did like a leg oh. up shows on the very first like Rocket shows I ever did. When you were with Rocket then? Yeah, yeah, when, yeah like yeah. when I just joined. Uh-huh. So that's where I met Dimitri in, in Burning Brides. And Fuck, that's crazy. So, okay. So he had seen me play, you know, through that. And like, you know, and it was like, and we struck up a friendship from there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and then, uh, so that's when he was like, you know, you get me Mario and like whatever. And then you can finish the Hot Snakes tour and then we'll do these shows with Mario playing. And then Jason will join up uh-huh. after that. So I flew out to Philly and did practice with them. And it was just like a half an hour, you know, opening slot. Yeah. Uh, it was like for in front of like these big venues and yeah. shit. Um, and whatever. It was like a paid gig for me. It was yeah. cool. You know, I got to leave for a little bit. Yeah. Spent two weeks in Philly. Yeah. It was cool. But so after that, Jason was kind of like, you had to do Burning Brides because he signed on to this major label deal oh shit and so when hot snakes wanted to start doing hot snakes as a touring thing as a band then i think that's when john had to fire jason and did jason say get mario or for hot snakes yeah no he was bummed whoa i don't think he was i don't think things were good for a little bit so he had to get he got fired i hate using that word whatever whatever it is Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then that's when John hit me up about playing with Hot Snakes, and then, um, yeah, and then that was like the first Hot Snakes record that was actually really done as a band, like with Gar playing bass because oh. there's no bass on those first oh, two yeah, records. Yeah. It was just John yeah. and Jason. Yeah. So this was done like three of us, and then like Rick coming into the fold whenever he could, and like making a record as a full band. Wow. That's why I mean it sounds totally fucking different. Which um which album was the first one that? Uh, that I did, yeah. Uh, Audit and Progress. Oh yeah, that's okay. the red one. Yeah, so and it sounds totally different than the other two records. Yeah, so, um, but that's the same with Rocket too. I mean, you can tell when it's you. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. which is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was like people that didn't like the Audit and Progress record at first. I was like, this doesn't sound like the Wipers kind of like uh, straightforward. Yeah. You know, like one two three four kind of yeah. like thing. And it was it was all like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, people don't, don't like change for but, some reason. But now p- people do like the record, so I don't know. It just took them a minute. Yeah. Huh. Um. But yeah, crazy how all these little things. It is so incestuous. And, then, and, and that weird. first rocket tour was also the catalyst for what would later become off. I know. Because meeting Dimitri on that first tour, 
of Rocket. And then at the end of that first tour is when I met Keith. And then, you know. How, like Keith just randomly or, or? He came he came to the Rocket show. Uh-huh. Like, and so we met him backstage and and he knew of Sea of Tombs. He's like, I really like that yeah. Sea of Tombs. That motherfucker, album. Keith Morris, knows. <laughs> he's like he's like Jello, you know. Like, they're like, oh, you're yeah. like, how do you know about, you know, the most random weirdo one-off things? Or yeah, like, yeah. Oh, how do you know yeah. about this? Both of those guys are like serious, deep, deep fucking music. Yeah, not even, not even they're beyond nerds. Like just, <laughs> just deep like music. Well, what is it? Heads. What's just what's like beyond nerds? What, guru, yeah, what is beyond guru, nerds? Maybe or well, like, something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, music masters. Keith's know. Keith's stories of like bands and the bills that he's seen mm. are just insane. Yeah. Like. You know, just the lineups like Captain Beyond with Black Sabbath and Status, like just all like your my favorite like yeah. bands of that era, the big classic hard rock bands, and like, you know, uh, yeah, just just funny shit. Just like I mean, he should just write a book on like the bands he's seen. Yeah, and stuff. Wait, there. Sorry to change because yeah. you said Black Sabbath, but there's that photo of of um, Gabe Serbian, Dave Lombardo, Bill Ward. Oh yeah. And Dale Crover, I think so. Yeah. But are you? There's a one with you too, right? There's one not with Bill Ward, but just with me and Gabe and Dave Lombardo, I think. You gave Dave the first and, Dead and, Cross show. And, and um, and Dale. Oh, and Dale. Why were you there? Did you play? No. Where was it? The Dead Dead Cross show? I guess so. No, wait. Oh yeah, it was Dead Cross with um, Napalm Death and and Melvins. You were just like. There? I think I was just there. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that was fucked up. But Bill Ward was there too, which was weird. And I was just like, dude, what's going on with all these drummers in one spot, man? This is yeah. bullshit. Like all the like best or like legendary drummers. I'm like, ah, overload. Um, that's weird. Maybe you were doing something with with in L. A. with Off or something at that point. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would love to dive into the Off stuff, but I know it's kind of like a <laughs> whatever, you know, like. No, I mean, it, I don't, you know, I have nothing but, like, just res- respect and, like, appreciation looking back on, on the whole experience. I mean, like, I, God, there's so many books and movies that could be written with the experiences that we've all had. Some of the funniest, most fucking over-the-top laughing I've ever had in, with that band, but also some of the most frustrating yeah. and, like, tumultuous, odd, probably definitely the oddest weirdest lineup band i've <laughs> ever been a part of oh my god yeah. but i mean I, I mean i'm so appreciative of it and i'm so appreciative of like when that band came into my life uh-huh. and everything that we fucking did and like there's a lot of hard work that went into it you know and like whatever differences of of personalities that are in were in that band that lineup i mean and they were all really fucking different yeah you know it's what made it what it was and um and for the time being it was it was really cool and i'm i was stoked to be a part of it Uh you know um you know i think back to what i was doing when that thing started and that i mean it saved all of our lives Uh. it saved key's life dimitri's life Steven, you know, like we all had, like we were all doing such different things, barely yeah. like Keith fucking barely was paying doing the rent. Jerks. 
yeah every like, now maybe i don't know why you didn't have that going but like well they that's what started out of they were starting to do they were trying to do a circle jerks record uh, and dimitri uh, producing it yeah and then that all went to shit because they just you know the thing about dimitri is like love him or hate him he'll just always tell you what he thinks yeah and, and he you know wasn't he wasn't sugarcoating anything about you know like what greg and was writing Greg Hudson was yeah. writing at the time. He was saying it's not up to par to a Circle Jerks record. So, so he just said Keith was starting a new band. No, no, I don't think he ever had a plan to do that. But like, was literally, like plan? no, no one was showing up to rehearsals. Uh-huh. So like, it'd be like, all right, you know, it's Circle Jerks. Let's meet up tomorrow at noon at this place, yeah. whatever, and let's fucking come up with some riffs. Yeah, no one would show up. What the? Fuck? They wouldn't show up. So it'd just be Keith and Dimitri laying around. And then, you know, so Dimitri finally started picking up a guitar, and or I guess, and from what Keith says, and it's like, and then Keith's like, what's that you're playing? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and so like a riff kind of came out, and then he's like, so Dimitri started like kind of coming up with riffs, uh-huh. and then like when <laughs> Greg did come back to the room, and he's like, this motherfucker's trying to fucking show me riffs now? What the fuck? Like, you know, like, I mean, there's like yeah. ego involved. Sure, sure, and sure. It's like, I mean, great why is this guy going to show me yeah. how to fucking play my band? Yeah. You know, it's like gets into that and yeah. then personalities start fucking talking, whatever, you know. Yeah. So then they wanted to fire Dimitri and they did. And then Keith's like, well, then I'm gone. And so he was the manager of Circle Jerks? Dimitri? No, he was he was supposed to produce the record. Producer. Okay. Yeah. And um, for that what didn't label? work out. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they were going to do it for. Um. So as a as a as a bystander, the off thing was really interesting to to me because um, there was like the new. It, I don't know how it was. It was like framed as like Keith Morris's new black flag, basically was right. was like everybody was saying, and I was yeah. like, "Fuck, that's that's a crazy uh, statement," and um, and and, and I don't want to say it, it's a tall order as far as like legacy but not a tall order as far as like musicianship necessarily yeah i mean no offense to black flag but i don't know if they've ever had like any impeccable drummers i mean what like i mean robo who was the drummer for black i mean i don't know who the drummer for black flag was with keith anyhow it wasn't like it was yeah never... yeah with keith it was just robo and then before him it was just like um oh man uh brian something yeah forget, but like yeah because keith was only in the band for like so a very short time yeah you know but so that was a weird thing too because it wasn't framed as like the new circle jerks it was like the it was like keith has this new black flag well i guess because of off the yeah. name or whatever so right. so maybe that made sense and then it was like you know vice was all about it and it was just kind of like it seemed very fucking hip and shit and i remember like yeah. the first time hearing it was i was like very impressed i was like yeah it's like a modern black flag with yeah. keith which is which i think he's one of my favorite I mean, I love different the different singers in Black Flag, but he was I love those songs that Keith sang on. So, it was crazy when when Retox went on tour with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so weird because the audience, and this is I mean, this is a this is a fucking dig at at, at fans because I think like people that are into punk rock only want like their punk like how they were mad about the change in Hot Snakes. It's just like yeah. get the fuck out of here, you know. Yeah. So I think people like went to see off. And they just wanted punk rock, and they mm-hmm. just want you know. And it was crazy to 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 um, to kind of uh, look at it from like a um, what's the perspective that a, like a like like I looked at it like sort of like a I don't know, I don't want to call myself a historian I don't want to call myself anything but I looked at it like in this like weird this weird view because I I, I could see 
how the fans were there for Keith. Right. And, and oh, like, totally. they didn't know Hardcore who the fuck Keith you fans. guys were. You know, I was right. like, dude, he's got the band right now. Like, this is better than any Black Flag lineup. Yeah. No, and, you know, like, whatever. Black Flag was cool and stuff, but, like, this was the shit. And it was, like, really weird to, to see that happen. And, it, and it, I don't think it gave people enough time mm-hmm. to, um, to reject it. They were just like, fuck, this is, like, better than Black Flag. You yeah. Know? Yeah, it was definitely a, a very uh, unique pairing of of people of people yeah yeah it was it was so, cool to tour with you again too for yeah. me it was like man every time i'm touring with mario i'm in this opening band that the fucking audience hates you know <laughs> but whatever it's good for me i mean i i learned my own shit from that too but yeah um, oh yeah who else was on the um uh the bill because it's retox, cerebral ballsy cere- yeah cerebral ballsy and that got up to a really fun start i remember oh it was <laughs> like a- dude it was like like one of the guys that kicked your guys' guitar cab, like they were borrowing. Oh, they were shit. just wasted. Yeah. Yeah, and like, they were just yeah. out of their minds. Like. I remember that night. <laughs> there was another time too where they. I don't want to diss those guys, but they were, they were, they were having like an internal fight, and I yeah. remember that. I remember like I, I felt so weird about this. They were um, the guitar player was like, because they were all like doing speed and shit all the time, mm-hmm. and you know whatever. But the guitar player was like, crying, and he was like telling the singer why can't you be like jp and i was like what the fuck like I, that this is weird don't put me don't bring me into the mix man yeah. i'm not i'm not doing drugs and fucking dicking around in a punk rock band you know like we were like trying to go a whole other avenue you know yeah. but yeah we were the oddball band on that fucking tour but whatever <laughs> you know ended up being pretty good times so. though yeah, so always. Yeah. I mean, if you don't die, it's like yeah. you look back at it. And you're like that was cool. <laughs> right. We didn't die. Uh, no one liked this, but it was cool. But yeah, there was a couple nights where, like, I remember we were in Florida, and there was, um, you know, it was clearly we were like we're clearly playing to to offs crowd, which is Black yeah. Flags crowd or whatever, you know, right. and like they they were not having it. And this guy, I don't know how it happened, man. It was fucking weird. Either like I accidentally spit on him or he just spit on me, but basically we like spat at each other and um and then it, and then he tried to get on stage to to fight me. And he was yeah. like an older dude and I was right. like he probably could have kicked my ass, but he also might have been like too old, <laughs> you know, like right. so I was like good luck. And I'm on stage, I have a microphone like you know, I, <laughs> like and I just remember like um it escalating and he got thrown out and I remember um <laughs> I just remember like the 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 um I had to go outside and apologize to him, but like Keith kind of stuck up, stood up for me, or stuck yeah. up for me, and I and I or stood up for me, and I and I was really grateful that he was like coming from a. Uh, he, it was like it was the venue, like you can't spit and do this to the audience. You get out there and you fucking apologize to that guy you paid. And I'm like fuck that guy. He was yeah. like talking shit and throwing stuff or spitting or whatever. Yeah. And then it was kind of Keith, you know, who was like the headliner, and he was like leveled with the security and was like mediated yeah and i was like thank you you yeah. know it's like dad at that point thanks dad <clears throat> right you know? uh, which is cool i would totally take keith as a as a father figure <laughs> he, i think he could technically be my dad he's when they put when circle jerks played last week or whatever yeah. it was he was like i'm 67 or fuck man something wow. like that and i was like yeah you could totally be my dad crazy <laughs> that's crazy yeah i think he was like in his like 52 or 53 when off started which does not seem old i'm like already getting close to that yeah I'm, like, I'm gonna be 50 this year so i'm just like fuck <laughs> yeah it's pretty so, wild huh to think about that like i remember seeing 411 play at some out some outdoor dirt lot when i was younger and just yeah. like and here we are like 
late 40s still doing it somehow (laughs) kind of weird i never thought that would happen (laughs) oh man there you have it episode 22 of the colton culture podcast we'd like to thank mario for taking part we highly suggest checking out his resume and all of the stuff he's been part of musically um that goes for drumming and guitar playing um and also just man check out his ripping skateboarding stuff that he's done Check out our other episodes uh, available on the 31G SoundCloud and also streaming on Apple Podcasts as well as uh, some other shitty streaming services. Colton Culture is proudly sponsored by Earthquaker Devices, Fender, and Heartwork Coffee. Planet Planet B. B.